0: Reckless Review, the authentic podcast by Toxic Bitcoin Maximalists for Toxic Bitcoin Maximalists. Subscribe now. Hello and welcome again to Reckless Review. This is episode three, um, our best episode so far. Wow! But um, yeah, yeah, we didn't even start recording it, and I already know. <laughs> but before we start, I, I have a very special uh, message from a sponsor. Um. So this episode is sponsored by an anonymous contributor. He, he, they wanted us to you know, not tell you who they are, but uh, they asked us to give the following message. So um, this is the message. So Charles Hoskinson is a billionaire. He has a lot of money and he's a very important guy. Charles invented Ethereum and also the internet and electricity. He's the father of modern science and he's the smartest person alive, both on-chain and off-chain. We're all grateful to share this health with Charles Horskinson, who is also a billionaire, by the way. And that's it. That's the message. Um, we can't tell you who asked for us to air it, but um, he's a very, do- um, very generous uh, contributor to the show. So,
1: well, we could add that uh, at least uh, we can say with certainty that uh, people, you know, Charles is very well known. People know who he is. Yes. Right. He's
0: a he's a very well known person. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Um, I, I don't know why they wanted to to sponsor the show, actually. Yeah. Whoever they are, I can't say, but, but they don't seem to to be very much into maybe, it.
1: Maybe they like it, you know, unlike the, the other people, they don't like it.
0: <laughs> Some people don't like the show.
1: Yeah, but I think they don't understand it yet.
0: They, I think, yeah, it's too much for them.
1: We, we we should provide the tooling to understand our our show, you know.
0: <laughs> I think with time we'll have like um, you know there will probably be forums and, and subreddits where people uh, explain our show to to uh, to the community.
1: Yeah, I think we already have a fan club in in Victoria. <laughs> How big is it? Mm, you know, like uh, between Two a people. half a dozen. No, no, no. It's between a half a dozen a, and a dozen people. I think.
0: Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. So, hello, Victoria. Have you been? Yeah. No, no, I'm I'm just saying hello, Victoria. Hello to everyone in Victoria. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I haven't been there yet. I haven't been in Canada at all. I've been a couple times. How is it? Is it cold?
1: It is. It is cold, especially in winter.
0: (laughs) That makes sense. Yes. That makes sense. Well, Italy isn't that warm either. Always depends. Depends if you're north or south right? yeah
1: yeah South Israel is better, is better. Israel
0: is always warm even yeah that's in true
1: I, I went there a couple of times in in December, and uh you know it was much better than Milan or London oh think. yeah,
0: yeah, people usually make fun of me because i uh I always wear a t shirt no matter you know nothing else just a t shirt and pants so because pants are important but um but yeah, so people make fun of me that I never wear like coats or jackets or whatever. But it's—I don't think they even sell them in Israel, right? Uh, <laughs> well, it's—it's—they're hard to find. They're harder to find, that's for sure. Only imports. <laughs> Only imports, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what do we have today? Um. So Peter, uh,
1: Peter Willa or Sipa was uh, tweeting some interesting stuff recently.
0: Yeah. He was, let me see if I can bring up the tweet. He was, he was talking about, um,
1: some magical cracking machine.
0: Yeah. That. what was it? If you can, uh, if you can, if
1: you could crack one key, which one would you crack and how much would you be able to get? Wasn't that
0: it? Um, I'm not sure. I think, no, it was something more specific. So here's what he says. He says, assume you have a machine that can easily compute the secret key to any SECP256K1 public key. Um, Given all information currently in the Bitcoin blockchain, how much BTC could you steal? So he's saying you have, um, this machine can find the private key to any public key. And SECP256K1 is the elliptic curve used by Bitcoin. So he says it can find any public key, any private key by its public key. And if you had this, how much uh, Bitcoin could you steal? And some people thought it means like how much should you steal or how much would you steal? But he's asking like how much could Could you you? steal if you knew the private key to any public key? And that's interesting because I think a lot of people would say like all of them, right? Why not all of them? If I know the private keys to all public keys, then I can steal all of them. Yeah, but
1: he's saying you can only do it once. So you better pick the right public key.
0: Um, no, that's actually... I don't think it's the point. I think he's saying, you know, you can do how many you want. Just not... He's saying just not uh, not unconfirmed transactions. So not like racing condition stuff. Only, if, Only steal from... Confirmed outputs. So okay. So here's here's this is here's, uh, here's how I understand it anyway. So he's saying I think that um, because a lot of people would think that if you have uh you know the Bitcoin addresses are public keys and that you can if you could somehow guess the private key from the public key then you can do this from a from an address. But actually, a Bitcoin address is not a public key. Um, it's a hash of a public key. So. <laughs> so what is he's saying is that you you, you could only steal um, Bitcoins if you had this special secret machine, this magical machine. You could only steal Bitcoins if you know the public key, and most of the times you don't. Um, so what? in what cases would you know the public key?
1: Well, all it takes is uh, one spending, right? Uh, as soon as you do one spending of any UTXO associated with an address, um, then you're revealing the public key. So Yeah.
0: So why? But why is that?
1: But do but you know that um, people have been uh, rethinking about this? Uh, I mean, if I understand this, this was done for quantum resistance at the beginning? Yeah, I think so. But now they're saying, well, actually, it's, well, first of all, when you spend, there's still some time before it gets mined. And in that time, uh, if, if it was fast enough, you know, you you have the public key, you could double spend it, Um because you have the public key and you can extract, you can you can find the private key. Um, so 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 that's one. Yeah. But the the second one is uh, that uh, we, I don't know, people don't think uh, it was worthwhile going with the, the whole address, uh, not not just because of this, but also because of uh, efficiency. You know, you have to push a script and then reveal the public key every time you spend. If you had the public key, then all you have to reveal is the signature.
0: Yeah yeah so i'll just I'll just expand on this a little bit um in case some of our listeners maybe don't know this so when you when you spend a coin you the script that's spending the coin that that your wallet creates is actually- actually not only contains a signature but it also contains uh the public key because previously when you got the coin, no one knows what your public key is, so it first reveals the public key which is hashed. And sees that it's, it's uh, actually results with the address that you have, and only after this check, it actually reveals the signature and um, and uses that to prove that you own the public key. So, um, and that's like not, not trivial. That's not how it used to work, right? Because in the in the first days of Bitcoin, it used um, what's public called key. pay to public key, P two PK. Um, which means that you just pay to a public key directly. And that's maybe more efficient uh, computationally and and, um, space-wise. So you you need to store less data maybe um, because you don't have to store both the hashes and the public keys. Um, Yeah, but they stopped doing that. They they switched from P2PK to uh, P2PKH, which is pay to public key hash to try and maybe protect against quantum computers in the future
1: yeah and people are saying maybe it's not so important anymore the other advantage of using the public key without the hash is that um especially when you receive multiple times on the same script or, or on the same address um there, there's multiple savings right because uh, you would have to reveal uh, the public key for each spending for each right. hit, so you're gonna spend um while in the other case, you only have to reveal the the signature. And right. obviously, you know, Schnorr and other things may change things in the future. We'll see.
0: Yeah. So I think the reason... What, what Peter was trying to say, he had this poll and he was trying to, to gauge what people think that's possible to steal in this case. And then, he, you know, I think it was a day or two later, he had like a a whole thread explaining what he meant. And he said that... As you say, maybe it's not, you know, it was the the, the hash thing was created to protect from quantum uh, computers, but um, he's saying that maybe it's not really relevant because like, uh, I think it was 4 million Bitcoins that are already, um, that already have their public keys revealed anyway. So how much protection are you going to get, even if you as as an individual uh, protect all your... um, all your keys, and never reuse addresses, and never reveal your public key until you spend them. Even then, you're still, um, you know, you're, you're still going to suffer if someone if four million coins are going to be stalled, So even if they're not yours, so it's debatable if this even is relevant at all, if it's even helpful. Yeah. So
1: what, <laughs> what he did was he scanned the entire blockchain. Ignore mempool. He, he scanned the entire blockchain, and for each script he found. He checked if there was uh, a public key revealed for that script yet. And then he took the script, or sorry, the public key or the script associated with the public key that had the most Bitcoin associated with it, right? Yeah. That's what he did. Okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was, yeah, also with uh, um, the same with P2SH. So he searched for P2SH outputs that had the redeem script revealed um, because that includes the public keys. So,
1: Yeah. Yeah, and the other thing that I would do if I was uh, half evil would be to scan all the blockchains for people that reuse seeds across or, you know, um, forks of coins as well. Like you could look at Bcash or you could look at the Big right. or you could look at uh, Bprivate or whatever, you know, um, copy clone cat coin right. came out and look at people that tried to dump it because it t- they tend to reveal all their scripts, all their keys, all their utxos uh, so possibly even together in one transaction which is terrible for privacy right
0: yeah yeah so he i think he's he mentioned that it seems like it's about half a million bitcoins uh and another half a million bitcoins if you count uh, four coins like big cash and others so yeah that's a lot and it's interesting because they're all relatively new you know the the original four million you could say that some of them are very old and some of them are um, I don't know, whatever, but the half million ones are new. So we haven't learned much. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, well
1: I guess the situation is gonna continue until people get hurt, right?
0: Yeah, I guess. Well will they get hurt? Because that's you know, that's the question. I mean what do we do if a quantum quantum computer shows up? Sure, we'll have time, right? We'll have sure, time sure, to surely there, there there's
1: two two dimensions here. One is I get hurt because uh, someone can take my coins, but the other dimension is uh, my privacy. So that's the part I'm thinking of, the privacy part. Oh, yeah. Because that can hurt you now. You don't have to wait for people to be able to break, uh, you know, keys. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, that's a real problem. So I guess key reuse is something you, or address reuse is something you really shouldn't ever do. Um, It's not, you know... It's it's terrible for your privacy, and it's also a little bit risks your, the future of your coins. Maybe not that much, but um, also something to keep in mind. So really, so, don't reuse, don't don't reuse addresses.
1: Which I think brings us to another topic we we had uh, um, in our list, uh, n- not not sequentially. Um, the dust attack. Um, I think it was Wasabi uh, wallet. Mm. that had, yeah, right. uh, had, uh, was attacked, but. If I understand it correctly, all non-custodial wallets uh, can easily suffer from the exact same issue, right? It's just worse for Wasabi because Wasabi is uh, trying twice as hard, you know, as other wallets. Yeah, yeah, and to, I think to also keep things with, private.
0: with wasabis there's a, there's a special trait that you can tell, um, you know, anyone can know which addresses use Wasabi because you just search for large coin joins and Wasabi is the only one doing them. So it's very easy to find who's using Wasabi, and then it's very easy to target specifically people who are doing CoinJoin by sending dust to their to their known outputs because everyone knows their which outputs were coinjoined So if you want to target like I don't know, uh, um, blockchain.info users, it's gonna be maybe a little bit hard to to find them, but it's super easy to find all of Wasabi wallet users. They actually publish the transactions on the website. Because they're so easy to find, so they just publish a list. But
1: also, <laughs> tell me if I'm wrong. If um, if I was an attacker with enough funds, I could try to participate in every single coin join, and then I would, even if I don't know who you know people yeah. are and how much they're sending to each other, I would still know the transaction ID.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's very easy to find. It's very easy to find.
1: Well, in general, um, you know, this is an issue that uh, affects other wallets, not not just um, the the dust attack per se but the uh, idea that you know especially advanced wallets or wallets that use some specific features are really easy to recognize when it comes to the signature on the blockchain you, you there, there are some details yeah. that uh, wallets um, on, on which wallets behave differently um, uh, things like the unlock time field on the transaction but also um, you know the script types uh, the, the revealed script if you're using p2sh right um, um, fee policy yeah fee policies um uh, order of inputs or outputs whether you use lexicographical random or what
0: yeah there's Um, a beep for that right trying to standardize this
1: yeah there's a few um but there are a lot of
0: standards (laughs) there's a lot
1: of standards and and uh, you know different wallets are doing different things i think this is going to be broken for a while and possibly forever if there's wallets that keep doing advanced things that are slightly different. However, what I really like is, uh, you know, things like Taproot and whatnot that would allow you to to have everything and everyone look the same on chain unless you do something different or odd. Right.
0: Yeah, Taproot is really cool.
1: Yeah. Then we're all the same. It doesn't matter if I'm using multi or single-sig or, um, you know. Yeah. At least for some parts of the transaction.
0: Yeah. Um yeah, I hope we can get it soonish. I guess maybe maybe we'll try to explain a little bit what what the death attack is. Um so when so imagine you're um you know you're some chain analysis company and you're trying to trying to learn something about some person. So you you see you know you see an address but you don't know actually you're not targeting someone specific let's say you want to you, you're not you just you know you want to target a complete system or a lot of people and, and hopefully try to gather some information so you have some addresses you suspect and then you send a small amount of dust which is you know um, very cheap to that address and well it would can seem... i see yeah
1: Udi, sure. there's two things uh, we should probably say one of the things is that you pretty much never send an amount To a UTXO that doesn't have any input, I think, or if or if you do, you 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 do it to one where you you expect them to to spend and um, well, never mind. Sorry. I think,
0: yeah, I think what you expect them to do. So you send something to a known address, to a known address that already received some output in the past, and it seems like you know. What what use it is, is it for anyone? Because you're just sending another output to to an address that already that is already known. But what you hope is that the user's wallet will merge this uh, dust with some unrelated output from some unrelated uh, public key, it, it, and then you will learn about another. Exactly. You know, you'll be able to link two addresses.
1: So how do you maximize that? Well, I think you can maximize that by sending it to to recent address, uh, you know, to addresses that have been uh, where all the UTXO have been spent. Because then you're sure uh, they're going to mix this with something else as opposed to another UTXO from the same script or from the same address. Because that's what you, you want to maximize diversity. You want to maximize use of different UTXOs together so that you can link them.
0: Right. Then again, it's so cheap that maybe we don't even care. But yeah, well, I mean, it, intelligent wallets won't even use this. Wouldn't it has even... to be smart,
1: right? Cheap, but not cheap enough that the wallet will be smart enough to say, "Well, this is more expensive to spend than it's worth it." Right. So it has to be. I mean, some wallets do that, right? So I think right. you, you have to make it incentives compatible by by making it worth to spend, like more yeah. than it needs to have at least enough to to, to pay the fee again uh, for it to be spent.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it depends on which uh I guess which wallet you target. The the interesting thing about Wasabi is that Wasabi actually doesn't ever do um coin selection for you. You have to manually select the coins. So when this attack started, the the wallet the Wasabi wallet developers, you know, they assumed that this is irrelevant because it will no one will ever do this manually because the wallet doesn't have any coin selection algorithm at all. Um, but it turned out because of the way that they built the dust transaction, it seemed like a, a coin join itself, and the wallets showed, you know, it displayed it as if it's some kind of a clean output. So some people, a lot of people actually, it seems from from looking at the at the transactions, a lot of people manually selected the dust output together with some other output and created a, a transaction manually when they wanted to send out because it seemed like. It's uh, an output they can use. So it's not always, you know, you can also fool the human, uh, the human side, not just the automated coin selection, which is interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm not surprised the humans get confused. Uh, <laughs> we can do something about uh, education, but really it should be the software that has some thresholds and some, some magic that, um, you know, worst case, ask the user what they think. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it asks.
0: It's all. That's the thing. It always asks the user. You, you know that it never does it automatically. It always asks what the user want to choose, and and still some people chose that. Um, so like a lot, not not just a few, and and they fixed it, like you suggested. You know, they added some uh, some heuristics to get rid of these outputs and not not even show them to the user. That's like their fix, which is not bad. So. Um, so that's about dust attacks. I think that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah, did you... I mean, uh, we went through a few, th- a few things. Did we explain what UTXOs are? Um, like, especially when it comes to lighter nodes or full nodes that are pruned? Um, no. What are UTXOs? Unspent transaction outputs. Yeah. What people, is an unspent transaction output? Though? People
0: talk about it a lot. I mean, I wonder how many people like no. understand the term and know what it means. Well, um, maybe let's
1: start from the basics, right? Like uh, there's two models. One is balance based and one is UTXO uh, based.
0: Right. So like my bank account is balance based and my Ethereum wallet is, one, is, is balance based. I didn't know you had an Ethereum wallet. Neither did I. Okay. Okay.
1: It's fictional. <laughs> it's <a> fictional wallet. <laughs> Okay, if you had anything Ethereum wallet, it would be balance-based. Right, exactly. Okay, so what's the difference between balance-based and UTXO-based?
0: So with, with, with Bitcoin, which is UTXO-based, um, each time you send someone some coins, um, it doesn't just add to their balance, to their name. It's, it creates um, a new output, and an output is an object which has um, an amount, the amount of Bitcoin that you just received, and it has um, some, uh, you know, the lock script, which is some terms on how you can spend the the output in the future. Um, for ex- for so most most lock scripts just say that you need to show the public key and the signature to spend them, and this is an output. And if you look at two outputs without any other data, it's hard to link between them, right? If you you can see one output that I got and another output that I got, and if you don't know their history, you you, you wouldn't be able to tell that they're somehow connected. So in theory, this this it's a little more, um, I guess it's a little less intuitive than a balance uh, system, but it can help privacy a little bit. And it can also help uh, efficiency because um full nodes in order to know when a transaction is valid they look they only have to keep like all the utxos all the unspent transaction outputs so that's outputs that people received in the past but didn't spend yet and if they you know if they see that a transaction tries to spend some uh, output and it sees that this output is unspent then it knows that it's valid so it only needs to keep like Old, old a list of all the unspent outputs so it's sometimes a little more efficient than a balance because if you do a balance then you need to be minded more about the ordering of stuff and and uh, you need some nonsense in there it's it's a little bit of a mess so with <coughs> you take those so, you get a little bit of privacy and a little bit of efficiency too
1: so i guess with the tune transactions um what what happens with reordering like uh, if i if i have a uh, you know, a transaction that um, gives me 10, and then another transaction that gives me 10, and a transaction that spends 20. But what happened if the other, the last two transactions are interleaved? Well, I'm trying to spend 20, I only have 10. Yeah, how yeah, does so, that
0: so? I don't know. The, I, I guess the order in the block really matters, um, in uh, Ethereum, um, and also, so you know, you have to, to check everything in order, but also, um, uh, I think there's... I, I forget. Oh, yeah. So, when you spend a coin, imagine you... You know, you could say that if you try to spend something, then um, someone can try to replay the transaction because there's an, it doesn't refer to a specific output. It just says remove such and such coins from my balance. So, you need to have a nonce in there to to make the t- transaction special and not repeat it. So, it's a, it's a little less... Um, Elegant, more, I guess.
1: seems more complex to me. More yeah. space for, for trouble. Forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So a balance system is a little more complex, I guess. And so so Bitcoin uses this UTXO model. And, and one thing that's really nice about it is that you, as I said before, you need the unspent outputs in order to validate transactions, but you don't need anything else. Um, so if you have a full node and it's syncing the entire blockchain, so the entire blockchain is large, right? It's, let's say, I don't know, 200 and something gigabytes right now. But you only have to, to process it and verify everything once and you can throw the old data away. You don't need it anymore. You, you just need the state of the outputs um, that are still unspent. And that's what we call pruning, right? So a pruned node is a node that only keeps the, the UTXO set and maybe a few of the last blocks, but it deletes most of the most of the block data that it that it got.
1: Yeah, one one important thing about prune node, though, is uh, that we have to say is that it's forward only. You can't uh, easily import a very old wallet that had coins in it um, without having to rescan the chain and without having to um, re-download and reprocess everything. I mean, there are ways to spend it without having um, you know without reprocessing the chain but that means uh, you don't get the history you only get right you know, to spend the utxo which is fine if that's all all you're trying to do right uh, another thing i think is important to mention is that you can let's say you have a utxo for six bitcoins it's a lot of bitcoins yeah um you don't uh, you, you can't spend five of them you, you always spend the entire utxo you spend six of them um and uh, you know, if you if you weren't planning to send the whole six to a recipient, then uh, say you want to send only three of them, y- you have to send those two somewhere. The, the, those two that um, are extra, uh, or sorry, those, those three that are extra. Didn't didn't I say six? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You should have said five. Yeah, I should mean. have. That, that would have worked, right? <laughs> But yeah. then, actually, does it work? Because uh, you still have to remove uh, a little bit of uh, from one of the two new nah. outputs you're creating for fee. Right. Usually, it's your own output. Um, you know, if the recipient asks for three, you're sending three. You're not sending two nine 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 something. Right. Um, you should have said five point oh 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 one. Yeah, that that then would have been perfect, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, if you if you want to send more than a UTXO has, then you have to link have to put the utxos together as inputs into a a new output right and obviously if uh, it's again not a a perfect fit that plus the fee you you you, you need another output which is your change uh, whatever is left
0: right if you're
1: not careful and you don't create this change what happens is you're sending all that as mining fees because there is no uh, explicit field for fees you're just saying anything uh you know the sum of inputs minus the sum of outputs it's the fee
0: yeah which is why like most software wallets will create a change output for you the but uh, that's interesting that there's the the a lot of people don't like paper wallets lately and and one of the early problems people had with paper wallets is that you you know you would sweep at some point you wanted to spend the coins that you had on a paper wallet so you would sweep them to some software wallet let's say you you would sweep them into electrum and then or not sweep you just import the the private key into electrum and then you would spend some of the coins and you want to i don't know let's say you, you you had five bitcoins there and you want to spend two and you think that once you're done you'll have three coins still in the paper wallet so once you you know you you ended you stopped sending and you cleared your computer or whatever and for some reason you didn't create a new paper wallet for it but years later you realize that um that the coins you know the coins that you didn't use were sent to a change address and it's it has another private key and it's not on your paper wallet, so you actually lost access to them forever. Um, so that's one of the way people get burned by change addresses and not understanding how they work.
1: Well, let's let's describe what are paper wallets first. Paper wallets are a piece of paper with uh, um, usually usually two things. One is a private key and a public key or an address, right? Uh, possibly QR code thereof. Um, because uh, you're not gonna type the private key or the public or the address by hand. Uh, I think I think if you use them correctly, they're okay. Uh, and used correctly means uh, one-time, one-time use. Yeah. Um, maybe even receive multiple times, but really only spend it once and and never import it. Always sweep. Um, but that obviously needs to be clear to the user. Uh, the yeah. education is it's very important. And paper wallets are are confusing at the end of the day because uh, if I had five and I spent three, I, I want to have the two left or or 1.9 something uh, if we want to really discuss the fee. Yeah. Um, and that's not obvious. Um, that's not obvious. Uh, some, you know, some people have thought about maybe trying to create BIP39 paper wallets, like with mnemonics and mm. uh, BIP32, um, you know, hierarchical, deterministic addresses.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but that's uh, still bad, I think. it's uh, the, the problem is not just privacy, right? It's sending again and again and again to the same paper wallet. The problem is
0: also, um, you know, loss of funds. Right. Uh, yeah, it's kind of what I heard a lot of people saying is that you kind of, um, you use your keys directly and you don't get all the benefits that you get from a wallet that manages keys from you and does all the dirty stuff for you. You you kind of try to manage everything by yourself. So you you really need to know what you're doing. If you're not like super technical, you'll probably make some mistake. If you, you know, maybe you won't lose your funds. Maybe you will, but maybe you won't lose your funds, but you will probably somehow hurt your privacy. Um, you know, there are so many things you can do wrong. So it's hard. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and, um... and, and and you
1: tend to be constrained. If you push very hard for security, you're most likely reducing your privacy. If you push very hard for privacy, you're most likely um, going to spend more um, and uh, have more complexity in terms of uh, user experience. And if you improve massively the user experience, then you're going to lose a bit of privacy and a bit of security. It's really, really hard... Uh, balance that you need to try to strike and um, the other hard thing is that you have to default for people that know nothing about this right all while uh, giving the ability to the power users or the advanced user to to be that that little bit better Um, whether it's manual coin selection or manual fee estimation manual fee uh, you know, um, Adam likes to gamble a lot with the with the mining fee. He, <laughs> he when he tested uh, green Android uh, or green bits uh, back in the day, uh, he used to lowball the fee and then uh, uh, bump it later if necessary. Yeah, um, and and that requires you know m- manual fee selection because uh, because the usual default that the user wants is not that the user doesn't want something that gets stuck for days. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Yeah. By the way, you know, that reminds me. Um, do you know the Bitcoin Optech guys? Yes. They have the Optech newsletter. So it's a They're it's great, great newsletter. Yeah, it's a great newsletter. I recommend everyone to subscribe to it. It's, it's, uh, I think it's every week or every few weeks. It sends you like... Um, Sometimes they int- go on holiday. Well, that's fine. <laughs> They're allowed. So they send you like a, a list of pull requests, interesting pull requests in, uh, that were merged into Bitcoin or Lightning or whatever and explain them and, you know, a lot of technical stuff that's going on. And it's mainly for companies that use Bitcoin so that they can be aware of this stuff. But it's, I think it's great for everyone. Um, and so I, I, I saw that they were working on this kind of an ebook. Where they have like uh, recommendations to exchanges and, and Bitcoin businesses that do you know a lot of Bitcoin transactions, and it's supposed to help them make the most use of the of the Bitcoin network. So it's it's still just uh, starting, but they they have a draft on GitHub. So one of the interesting episodes they have is about um, about fees and about um, uh, RBF replaced by fee and uh, CPFP with, which is Charles. Child pays for parent, which are two ways to try to bump fees uh, in the future. And there's a lot of um, considerations I didn't think of in this document. It's very, um, it's very detailed. Um, so there are a lot of advantages, but also not 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 so few disadvantages to both approaches. Um, one interesting uh, disadvantage is that if you do uh, um, RBF, if you do replace by fee, so you try to lowball the fees first and then you try to later um, uh, replace the transaction with something that's higher, then you lose a lot of privacy. Because when you do that, you expose what your change output is. Because usually the the added fee will go from the change output. So if someone's listening to the network and they're recording all transactions in people's mempools, then they can see that you... um, you tried the different transaction, a new version of the transaction, which, which has the same main output, but a smaller change output. And then they know what went back to you and what went to the person you were paying to. That's not
1: just the only advan- disadvantage. Um, I was yeah. um, I met some of the Optech guys in Paris uh, last year uh, and we went through some of these uh, models and best approaches and, and what to do. And, and uh you know, I, I was uh, mostly a big fan of, uh, you know, replace my fee, updating transactions, but uh, I had to, you know, change my mind uh, a little bit about uh, child for parent because even if it's a little bit less efficient in some circumstances, um, it uh, it has, a s- well, first of all, it doesn't invalidate all the child transaction, which is helpful for. Uh, you know, exchanges and and others that send yeah. out transactions. They don't want users complaining and sending uh, emails to support saying, oh, I tried to spend that and it disappeared. Yeah. Um, right. So, yeah, that's not a great user experience. And um, But but ultimately, I'm not sure it is a much better privacy uh, solution because uh, you are going to do a child pay for parent. And uh, if I'm monitoring the blockchain and the mempool, I'm going to know most likely this was a child-based for parent because it spends zero conf and maybe has only one output, yep. right? Why would you have more than one output? Yeah. Um, maybe, you know, maybe you can trick some of the coin analytics by being less efficient, by adding multiple outputs when you don't need them. But I don't know. Um, ultimately, I prefer blockchain efficiency right now.
0: Yeah, um, there's there's another problem with... Um, um, with replace by fee for exchanges. So if you're an exchange and you do... So if you try to combine batching with uh, replace by fee, so you do a large transaction with withdrawals from all your um, customers in in, in outputs in the same transaction, then if you later try to replace by fee, you need to make sure that no one tried to spend this transaction because not only they will... You know, not only, as you said, they will lose the... Um, you know okay. the the output will change, but also um, they have a problem because if someone tries to spend the unspent output with the unconfirmed unspent output with a small with a too small fee, then now you have or or any fee actually. Then now you have to pay for their fee too when you're replacing the original one. So that's like a network policy thing in between. That's war. a big
1: problem, but but also another important. Uh part of this is that you, you can't really know that it hasn't been spent like you can check but the yeah. moment you checked that that has changed already someone yeah. has spent it so that, that's very racy and yeah. uh, there is no guarantee whatsoever
0: yeah so replaced by fees seems elegant but there are some gotchas in there Unfortunately,
1: yeah. I think it's okay if you're using it to yourself or to someone that you know. It's not going to need to spend it immediately, yeah. And uh, you don't you care more about efficiency than privacy, I
0: suppose. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah, and and it's it's worth it to say that if you're an exchange, um, in all likelihood, people already know which addresses belong to you because right now, yeah. yeah but they, they
1: probably care more about user experience than efficiency yeah, or privacy. That's, that's true.
0: <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exchanges are hard. It's not easy to run yeah, an exchange.
1: I'm. I would. Yeah, I would <laughs> like to to you know to deal with the technical side of it because it seems very challenging and interesting, both from a security perspective but also from uh, performance. Right. If, yeah. If you, if you want to have a uh, um, ton of trading activity and whatnot.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting, that's for sure. But um,
1: um, you know, a bitcoin only exchange wouldn't be really useful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well yeah, I mean Bitcoin and um, and Bitcoin. But yeah, I guess. Bitcoin Liqui- today
1: for Bitcoin today for Bitcoin tomorrow.
0: Yeah. Trade Bitcoins with liquid bitcoins. That's something you could do. And back. And, and live bit- let's review the authentic podcast by Toxic Bitcoin Maximalists for Toxic Bitcoin Maximalists. Subscribe now. Okay, so that's it. That's um, the entire episode for today. It's a little bit shorter than usual. Um, Well, let's say that we had some technical problems with one of our co-hosts. I'm not going to name any names, but it wasn't me. So, yeah. That's it. Um, Don't forget to subscribe for um, longer episodes next time on Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify. Just search for Reckless Review or go to recklessreview.horse to subscribe to the RSS feed. And uh, we'll see you again in uh, two weeks. Thank you. Goodbye.